are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. It's really an honor and privilege to be here tonight. Um, yeah, man, you guys are so wonderful. You know, just um, as we we're worshiping, um, just sense um, the affection of the Father. You know, and um, I don't know yet. Um, I don't have kids yet, but I have one on the way who's almost here. Um, but. Uh, Strangely enough, I feel like the Lord gives me a lot of grace and allows me to experience certain things that uh, I don't deserve to experience, and uh, my, my natural life doesn't parallel it, but that affection of the Father and how, how um, his heart melts and how much he adores when his children come to him. There's a special place in his heart um, where his love is poured out, and as children, that we have access to it in no other way that anybody else has. And um, I just wanted to encourage you tonight because I know all of us, we come from different walks of life, different life circumstances. Um, Many of us are hungry. Some of us are tired and thirsty. But as we come before him, we can know that he's a good father. It's far better than we could ever even imagine that even that word goes well beyond uh, it falls well short of describing his goodness, the word good, right? And there's so much more to him that he wants to show us of himself and for us to experience here tonight, amen? amen. Let me pray for us once as we, uh, we start here. Father, we, we thank you for this sacred moment where your people gather from all over. And it's not about the name of a church or a group or an organization, but it's about your name. And Jesus, we pray that your name alone would be lifted high in this place, that you would receive all the glory, power, honor, praise that's to your name. We pray that you would be Lord of this place and most of all our hearts. And as we look into your word, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would encounter us, and that the areas of our lives that you have been knocking on, that maybe have been struggling, where we've been in confusion or desperation or apathy or, um, or just have questions about God, that you would come into those areas and begin to address those places as only you can. God, we trust you as a great physician as well. If there's anybody here who is... Uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually wounded, God, that you would come and do a deep healing work as only you can. And Father, we pray for grace that you would allow us to lay down our our walls and our masks and the things that so often keep us from you a lot of times and from each other. Father, we declare in this place there's no room for fear here, that all fear has got to go in the name of Jesus. And anything else that's not of the Lord, we bind you and command you to go to the feet of Jesus now. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way in us. It's in your name we pray. 
If you want to open up with me to John chapter uh, 21. John chapter 21 is the last chapter of John, and we'll be reading from the beginning. Um, Before I start reading, I just um, wanted to kind of share a little bit. Some of you guys know who I am. Some of you don't, and that's okay. Um, We, we, um, like for me, when I speak, one of the things I love to do is always go back to the stories in the Gospels. And um, I'm a little bit more interactive, and so I share that just so you, you're not scared. Like, I know I just kind of st- started real soft there, but it kind of starts ramping up, and I get kind of, I start yelling and stuff sometimes, and I, I want to apologize for that if it scares you. Um, but part of the reason why I love reading the stories of Jesus and the, and the Gospels is because um, I know for myself, as I read, man, the Lord always invites me into that story. I know it's easy for us, especially those who grew up in the church, we can just read it kind of with a... Um, historical perspective or just like, oh, that's nice, um, and, and kind of remove ourselves from the story as if we're not there. But I know that one of the most powerful things that Scripture does is it pulls us in, and it speaks to us, right? And it invites us to realize that the, that the stories that Jesus, the people that, that are in these stories are just like you and I. And so as we read this Scripture, I want to invite you to allow the Holy Spirit to highlight bring you a little bit deeper and ask him to speak to you about areas of your life and what he's doing and who he is as we read through this, yeah? And allow your imagination, your sanctified imagination to kind of, um, you know, take part and participate. Is that, is that cool? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Verse 1, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Now, this is how he did so. I'm sorry. You guys read like NIV. ESV? NIV, raise your hand. ESV, raise your hand. It's like split. Sorry, I'm going to go with the NIV. Sorry, I read from a different version. Here we go. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were there. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they had landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Now, this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Verse 15. When they have finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Some translations say he was grieved. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to integrate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Verse 20. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And we'll stop there. And all God's people say, amen, amen. Um, so this part of the story, um, we have to understand here, Jesus has appeared to his disciples, um, a few times already. And we find that a handful of disciples led by Simon Peter, um, are fishing. And so I know for many of us, we've heard probably messages about this, um, And so this is not a new concept that I'm about to share with you. But it's interesting that for me, that these guys who walk with Jesus for three years, man, they saw all the miracles, right? They were intimate with him. It wasn't just like from afar. You know, they lived with him. They like broke bread together. They slept in the same room. Like they smelt his breath. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, if if they were sweating, I don't know if Jesus had body odor because he's like the son of son of man, son of God. Right. But like, like they were like in the thick with him. It's like when you go on a mission trip with people for like two weeks or a few months and you come back and you have like this, you know, what I'm talking about a nearness that you don't with a lot of other people because you went through some stuff together. You know what I mean? And so they were with Jesus. They saw all these things. They had, they had their understanding of who they thought he was blown. Like he, he calmed the, the, the storms and the waves and he walked on water and he cast out the demonic. He healed people. He raised people from the dead. Like they were all people who experienced this firsthand. On top of that, we find him here in this place where they are at here. That They've seen Jesus already. He's raised from the dead. Okay, Jesus is not dead. He raised. Like they went to the tomb even. They saw he's not there. They saw all the, all the linens and stuff. They were, they were still there. And they saw all of this. And yet even though they, they experienced all of these things, we find them doing what they used to do. And we know this because when we look at Scripture, you know, you, you understand because they were fishermen before Jesus found them, yeah? And so for them to go back to fishing when Jesus had called them to be fishers of men instead, it, it represents, man, that they've gone back to their old way of life before Jesus. Now the question that I have, and I'm sure you have, is what made them go back to their old life? Yeah? Because I'm thinking, if I'm one of them, think, man, there's, nothing, there's no way I can go back to my own life, my old life. You know what I'm saying? How many guys know what I'm talking about? Like, I saw Jesus do 
the miraculous. I saw him raise the dead. He raised from the dead. Like he, dis- he displayed the kingdom of God like firsthand, right there. It wasn't a story from a story, a testimony from somebody else. Like I am the living testimony that Jesus did this for me. There's no way, right? And yet we find them here in their old way of life, led by Peter. And the interesting thing, kind of a sidebar here, is Peter, man, he has such a, 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 an anointing on his life as a leader, yeah? He's one of the twelve apostles. So this, this, this is true, that when you're a leader and you have that kind of anointing, you're going to lead people, whether you lead them to Jesus or not. Okay? That's up to you. But you will lead people. People will follow you. Okay? And so we see Peter here, he's with the other guys, and, and I'm wondering if they're all suffering from the same thing, or they have the same reason of why they're, they're at this place where they're kind of back to their old way of life, okay? And so they're all with them, okay? And, and, and early in the morning, Jesus stands on the shore, okay? So early in the morning, the reason why that's important, because it means all night, the fishermen have been fishing. They've been fishing all night, right? And Jesus stands on the shore, they didn't realize it was him, whether it was because he was too far away, it was still kind of like, you know, still kind of dark, or maybe they're just tired, you know? Um, you know, when, when you're tired, sometimes you just don't recognize people as well, at least for me. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, like, my eyes don't focus as clearly, you know, when, I, <laughs> or, you know, when I'm tired. Um, but they, they don't realize it's him. He's standing on the shore. He calls out to them, and he says, friends, haven't you any fish? I wonder if Jesus knew. I have these questions sometimes when I read scripture. Did he, did he know? Did he like kind of do one of those things where he's like, I know they don't have fish. Do you have any fish? Right? To kind of like get to something here. I don't know. But he says, do you have any fish? And they're like, no. No. And he says something very kind of common sense. Kind of like, duh. Right? If you're a fisherman. And he says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Hmm. Um, one of the things I struggle with is um, I have kind of OCD when it comes to driving. My wife can attest to this. Uh, I am, especially with her, I am the ultimate backseat driver. Um, <laughs> um, part of it is there's things that the Lord is definitely working out in me. The other part is like, if I'm honest, the fleshy side of me just thinks I'm a better driver than everybody else. So I'm the guy, like, when someone comes into my lane and doesn't click the signal, I'm like, why do you have the signal if you're not going to use it? Right? Like, that's, you're breaking a law. And then when someone starts tailgating you real close, I understand it's New York, New Jersey, right? Everyone has somewhere to go, right? I'm just like, why are you, I mean, do you have to drive that close for that long, you know? And, and, and And so there's a certain understanding of how I think people should drive, okay? And, you know, a lot of times, my wife, she's from New York, she's from Queens. Any Queens people in the house? Bayside, yeah. And so I, I don't know about that, I don't know about you guys, but I realize some people from New York, you drive a, a lot more different than people from anywhere else, okay? And, like, she didn't know this, but she, she would be tailgating, at least my understanding of tailgating, right? And I'm like, when we were first dating, I was like, I didn't say anything, you know? But it bothered me. I didn't feel safe. You know, I put the, the seatbelt on. I didn't feel safe. I'm like, why is she tailgating this guy? You know, but like when you just meet somebody and you're dating, like you don't want to talk about that kind of stuff, right? You, like, you don't want to go there, right? And I'm just like, man, you know, and so later as time went on, I was like, hey, do, you know, are, are you mad? <laughs> you have a lot of stress in your life? Like, what's going on right now? Like, why are you, why are you driving so close to this other car? She's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> right? 
I'm like, no, yes, you are. She's like, no, this, I'm not tailgating. And in my mind, I'm like, is she, like, playing games with me? Like, like what's really, is, is, she, is she really, really mad that she's, like, now just, like, defensive? Like, what's going on? I realized, like, in her mind, she really was like, I'm not driving close to the car. In my mind, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, anybody do this? Like, well, they get to, you, you, you don't have to brake. You just brake. The car, like, slow down, right? Like, you hold on the thing, slow down, right? And, and I, I didn't know this, you know? And, and so, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting because, like, a lot of times we get into fights because I, I become too, too much. And, and I, I thank God for my wife because she's so patient with me. And a lot of times when we're on long trips, she's like, just go to sleep. Go to sleep, okay? And I'd be like, I'll wake up because, like, I always want to be a good co-pilot and say, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, you want to, you know, go to the bathroom. We can pull over. Even though I'm not driving, right? She's like, just go to sleep, right? And so this happens a lot of times. And as I'm reading this, the thing that really gets me is when I'm, when I'm driving, right, and then someone tries to give me advice, I'm like, man, you don't know who I am? I'm, I'm like, I don't say this, okay? And maybe some of you guys feel like this too. When someone tries to tell you what to do when you know what you're doing, like I've been doing this for a long time. I've been driving for a long time, okay? I've only ever been in one accident in my life. It wasn't my fault, okay? <laughs> Never got a speeding ticket in my life in my own car, in my friend's car, not my fault because he has a car that's a cop magnet, not my fault. You know who I am, man. I'm a great driver. I'm one of the top 10 drivers in the history of the world. So don't tell me how to drive. And, and I'm wondering, man, these guys are seasoned fishermen, okay? It might have been a minute because they've been, like, three years removed, right? But, like, you know, like, you tried a few times, it comes back to you real quick, and they haven't caught any fish. And so, man, you're upset. You're tired. There's, there's nothing there for all your hard work. And this man is standing on the shore. Of course, they don't know it's Jesus. It's a backseat fisherman, right? Hey, do you catch any fish? Oh, man, who is this guy? No! No, no, we didn't catch any fish. Oh, throw your net on the right side of the boat. <laughs> Thomas, how many times have you throw on the right side of the boat throughout the course of the evening? I don't know, I think like 40 times, something like that. Yeah, you know, there's no fish there. Right? And, and I'm getting upset if I'm one of the disciples. Like, who is this guy telling me to do something that I've already tried so many different times throughout the course of the night? There's no fish there. But you know what? <laughs> how many times does someone shout from the shoreline to tell us how to fish that we're in the ocean right now? Let's just do it. Okay? Let's just, at least he'll stop talking. You know what I'm talking about? So throw the fish on the, just throw it. They probably didn't even, if it's like me, they don't, we don't really, really throw it. We just kind of like just let it down. Like, whatever, whatever, stupid. Right? Like, that's how I feel, right? And when they do this, there's so many fish, and suddenly something happens. Because as we look at this, we realize, man, Jesus is doing something amazing as he's reaching out and he's speaking to his disciples that are caught in, in their old way of life, that have gone back. He brings them back to a memory. When and how was the first time that he met them? It was while they were fishing. Yeah, and he's basically the same exact story. And suddenly, it's one of the guys, they, they realize it's, it's the Lord. This is John. It is the Lord. And then Simon Peter hears him. He's like, oh, it's not because they took off, you know, anything that would hinder because they're, they're at work. You know what I'm saying? They're at work. They don't want anything to get in the way as they're pulling these lines up and, and you know, catching the fish or even though they don't have anything. But 
So I don't know how this makes sense because for me, if I jumped in the water, I was like, man, if I just had my boxers on, you know, that's probably the easiest way to swim. I don't want to put like my robe or whatever, you know, jacket because it weighs you down. Right? Because you want to get there as fast as you can. But he puts it all on and he jumps in the water and he starts going to Jesus. He gets there, he lands there, and there's already a fire of burning coals and there's some fish on it and some bread. Hmm. And Jesus says, bring some of the fish you have just caught. They bring it. There's 153. And he says, come and have breakfast. And at that point, none of the disciples are going to dare ask him, who are you? Why? Because they know. They're reminded of their history with God, with Jesus. They're reminded when he first called them. And I'm wondering what they're feeling and what's going on inside of them in this moment. It's like kind of deja vu, but it's not, you know, because and, and, it really happened. And they're in this place, and what's going on in their hearts? And if I'm going to ask you a question, if you're there in the disciples' shoes, what's going on in your heart? What are you feeling? What are you sensing? Think about it for a moment. Man, you were with Jesus. You, ro- you rolled with him. You, all the stuff that you, man, you, you, were, you experienced everything. You know this guy, yeah. He dies on a cross. Everyone flees. You leave him hanging. And after even seeing him, he rises again from the dead. You've gone back to your old way of life. And yet here he is on the shore calling out to you again like he did the first time. And now you make your way to the shore and he's got a a fire going with food on it. And his first words are, come and have breakfast. What are you feeling? What's going on inside of you? And it says this was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples when, after he was raised from the dead. And so this is going on. I'm wondering how much conversation actually took place. Probably not a lot. Right? Probably really one of those quiet meals. Like, like what do you say? <laughs> you don't want to be the first one to talk either, right? Like, you just keep your head down. You don't want to make eye contact. Just eat the fish. Only time you lift your head is to get some more and you just, you know... You might look over real quick and see, look at your friend, right? You're just eating the fish. And when they finish eating, uh, Jesus speaks, and he speaks to Simon Peter particularly, and he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? A lot of theologians and scholars have questioned, what does that mean, these? Okay? Some have thought that it is fishing equipment. Do you love me more than these boats and this way of life? Um, others have question, uh, thought that it was, do you love me, uh, do you love me more than the other disciples? Right? Um, but where I land and a lot of people land is, I think Jesus was saying, do you, love, do you have a love for me that is greater than the love of all the other disciples that they have for me? Does that make sense? Do you love me more than, than all the other disciples love me? Interesting question, yeah? How many guys know why it's an interesting question? Because Peter was that guy. Jesus, everyone will leave, but I will not betray you. I'm, where am I going to go? You have the words of life. I got your back, Jesus. Let's do this. And yet, when it counted most, he wasn't there. He denies Jesus three times. 
And so, man, Jesus from the get-go, he, he begins to just <laughs> look at it. It's, it's really uncomfortable. Like, if I'm one of the other disciples, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, mmm. Mmm. <laughs> yeah, mm, Peter, yeah, always talking a lot, mm. Yeah, huh yeah. Like, you know, I don't know if you're one of those friends. Mm, good question, Jesus, yes. I'm thankful that they didn't talk, he didn't talk to you first, right? Like, yeah, right? And like, wow, Jesus goes straight from the back. He just goes for it. He goes straight into the heart, and he's like, do you love me more than these? And in the same breath, I'm, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm like, hmm, yeah, let's see. Did you learn your lesson? Do you love him more than we love him? I wish you would say something, right? Like, like yeah, right? Like, you're, you're there. And, and, and Peter says this amazing thing. He says, yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. Wow. Yes, Lord. To his question, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. You know. I don't know, but you know. You know that I love you. Which is interesting because there's a, there's a huge flip in what's happening in Peter because he was the guy, it was all about him, yeah? It's all about what he could do and who he is. And, you know, he's the one that wants to fight for Jesus when the Roman soldiers come and he pulls out the sword and cuts the guy's ear off, whatever. Like, he's that guy. And suddenly it's like, there's this humility that you see in Peter that he didn't have earlier. And he says, Lord, you, all, all I, you know. You know, and there must have been a little tinge there because I don't know if he got it or not. Like if he was aware of what Jesus was doing with that question. Right. But Lord, you know, and Jesus says, feed my lambs. Hmm. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Okay, so it's not in comparison to other people, but do you love me? Says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And so then a third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it says Peter was hurt or grieved because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. And the reason why we know this, the reason why he was hurt and grieved, because he knew exactly what Jesus was doing. Because he asked him three times about his love for him. It was because he was, he was mirroring what happened when he told Simon Peter, when he told him, he prophesied, he said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Simon Peter said, no, I'm not Jesus. Even if everyone leaves, I'm going to stay with you. And surely enough, he denies Jesus three times. And then it says, when the rooster crowed, him and Jesus locked out and he wept bitterly. And people have wondered, why did he weep bitterly? Was it because that he actually did what Jesus said he was going to do? Was it be, what was the reason? And, and I've come to the conclusion, I think a lot of it actually is not so much that he failed again, but it's when he actually realized where he really was in his heart. The condition of his heart, like who he is as a person, like the state of his, his, his being at that moment. Man, I'm talking this big game about following Jesus, about doing all these things. But when push comes to shove, I bounce on him. I leave him hanging. Like I deny him not once, two, but three times. I left him. And I wonder if he weeps bitterly. Not just any kind of weeping, but there's a bitter weeping. Because he realizes who he, what's going on in him. I'm not the guy that I thought I was. Jesus, you knew it, and that's what you were trying to get, but for all these years, I just, I don't know why I couldn't see it. 
And so when Jesus asked him the third time, man, of, yes, absolutely. It touches the depths of his heart and that place of great failure and shame and just let down to himself. Disappointment. As well as everybody else. Now the interesting thing that you see here is that when Jesus is speaking to Peter, he doesn't call him Peter, right? He says, Simon, son of John. And this is significant because during that time, often they, people, they knew you by whose son you were, or whose child you were, yeah? And so he's saying, Simon, son of John, is saying, hey, I knew you from the beginning. I know you in a way that no one else knows you. Simon, son of John. He goes back, letting him know, I know your history. I know your beginning. And even here, as he prophesies over him, I know your end. I know how your life will end. I know you from beginning to end. I know everything about you. Prophesies over him how he's going to die. And he says, come follow me. Toward the end of this passage, Peter turns and sees that disciples whom this is John. And Peter saw him. And this is a tough word when Jesus tells you how you're going to die. You know? Uh, sometimes I wonder if I'm in Peter's shoes and like I hear the Lord speaking that over me. Like, this is how you're going to give your life for me. I'd be like, Jesus, I rebuke that in your name. <laughs> I will not die. I will not die. I will live. Right? Like, forget this. No. Like, eternal life. I'm going to be like, you know, Elijah. And, you know, I'm going to just tear it to fire. And, you know, like, I'm just going to be taken out. I don't want to die. No. I don't know if I can handle that, you know. And, like, that's, that's, that's a tough word. That's a tough thing coming from the Lord himself. And so, can you imagine what he's feeling? Wow. And then, just like many of us, I know for me, this is what I do. I look across, like, I see John. You're not John's there, but Jesus, but um, what about this guy? (laughs) You ever do that? You're following God, and and he leads you to a place that this this is not what you planned. This is not what you had in mind. This is not how you thought it would turn out. And and he kind of shatters your romantic idea of following Jesus. He shows you, man, what it takes and, and the cost and what it means to die to yourself and the things you have to face. And you're like, whoa. And then you look at somebody else, and their life looks so much easier. And you go, what about that guy? What about that girl? What about her? Why is her life like that, Jesus? And you start complaining. Why can't my life? Lord, you know me. I've been following you for a long time. She just started. She just started. And why am I? And Jesus. Right? And you get to that place. And this is what's happening with Peter. And, and, and Jesus says something so very simple but profound. It says, if I wanted to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Ooh. (laughs) So, basically saying, so what? You follow me. You follow, why are you worried about him? Why are you worried about his life? Why are you worried about her? What's going on over there? What's going on between you and me? And he brings it right in center again, and he aligns Peter straight, just looking at him again. Don't worry about all this other stuff. Look at me, right? And so as we read through this, this is, this is what I, as I was praying and I was 
preparing for tonight, I felt like this is what the Lord was really highlighting. That in this story, a lot of us are caught up in, in, in one of these places in the story in our lives right now. And so there are some of us, man, we've been following Jesus a long time. Something happened. Something happened. Either we made a huge mistake, we fell, okay, or someone did something to us. Something happened to us. You went through something very difficult that was disappointing, that was painful, that was hurtful. Um, You felt victimized. Whatever it is, you went through something, and now you, just like the disciples, are caught up back into your old way of life. If I were to ask you, is God real, you would say yes. Can God heal? Yes. Like, can you testify of the things that he's done in your life, who he is to? You could say that, yes. And you would say it with, with, with a conviction in your life. But when you look at your life, for some reason, there's something there that is now, and, and you're over here, and you're back in the boat doing what you used to do, and pretty much you're spinning in circles because you're fruitless. And this is what the life without God looks like. You are fruitless. And what I mean by fruitless, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to have money or fame or prestige. I'm talking about the things that actually matter spiritually. There is no fruit. There is no life change. There is no impact from your life to other people that is, that is, that is lasting longer than yourself. It's fruitless. And there are some of us that are stuck here. Some of us, and this is kind of a transition, are in transition, and and you've been in that place, and Jesus is calling to you from the shore. (laughs) You've been going in circles and circles and doing all this stuff, and oh man, I'm just tired. Let's just call it a night, man. Let's just wrap this thing up and let's just head home, you know what I mean? And here's Jesus at the tail end of it saying, hey, did you catch any fish? (laughs) And you hate it. Jesus, man, who is this guy (laughs) telling me? No, no fish. Basically saying, are you fruitful? Are you satisfied? Is there peace in your life? Is there joy? Is there hope? Is there love? And you go, no. Look at my life. <laughs> look at the boat. If you come here, look at the boat. Who is this guy? Right? And often it comes in a way that we can't recognize. We don't recognize. And so we reject it. Jesus is calling to us from the shore. Through another person. We're like, no. And you just want to reject them because you don't realize it's God speaking to you through that circumstance, situation, or that person. Because it's not coming in the way that you thought it would or, or in the way that you want. And it's calling to you. And the thing is, is he's really bringing you, wanting to bring you back to that first time when he called you. Oh man, but it's so hard. It's so hard. Sometimes it's so hard to go back and remember the first love. And to trust Jesus in the way that you had before when you first started. And to be surrendered. There's a lot of things that get in the way. There's a lot of things that happen to us in our lives. A lot of things that, the mistakes that we make and things that people do to us. It gets in the way. It leaves us jaded. It leaves us bitter. It leaves us resentful. Half the time, we don't even know that's what's going on in our hearts. And it just kind of adds up because we haven't addressed it. Because it's too painful. And we just kind of slide it under the rug. And it adds up and we finally get to this place where we're just completely... We don't even realize, but we don't believe. Like, theoretically, in our minds we do. But in our lives, we're not following Jesus. And it's hard. But here is Jesus calling to you, reminding you of when he first called you. 
Reminding you of salvation, reminding you of His mercy and His faithfulness and His love and His forgiveness. Reminding you, trying to bring you back to that first place, that first love with Him. There are some of us who (laughs) we are on the shore with Jesus now. He's called us and we're there. He's got the fire. He's got the food. Come have breakfast. Oh yeah. My God, this is you. You're working in my life. Yes, hallelujah. But it's hard to make eye contact with him. You don't know what to say to him. Because of all that's happened. Because of your failures, your shame, your inadequacies. Because you ended up, you realize you're not the person who you thought you were. Regardless of what people may have done to you, you realize, man, I, that was the most terrible way I could have responded. And Jesus... He's talking to Peter. Like he's talking to Peter. He's talking to us. He's reminding us and he's saying, Simon, son of John. Okay, I know you. I know you. I know you from beginning to end. Everything you've been through. I know you better than you know yourself. I know what's going on. I know what's hurting. I know what you're ashamed of. I was keeping you locked up. And really, at the end of the day, I wrote some questions down here, but these are the thoughts that were coming to me in my life. Jesus was speaking to me. Because there's sometimes, when I'm talking about these different, kind of where we're at in this story, it's not like necessarily always the totality of our lives, but it could just be certain areas of our lives, man. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it could be that one relationship it could be like your heart toward your church or a past church or a past leader. It could be your heart toward coworkers in a workplace or your manager or your boss. It could be toward your parents, right? But there's, this, there's areas sometimes of our lives that just mirror this. And, and, and here's, here's some of the things that were, the Lord was speaking to me. is like, what's keeping your confession from being your reality? Like, it's all here, right? But here, it's, it's not. This and this are not aligned. It's true here, but it's not true here in how I live. What's keeping the word of God, the Holy Spirit, from being real in your life? And often, uh, for me, and I think this is not all that there is, but two of the things that usually keep me from that from, being, from happening, my confession, from being my reality, one is how I responded to pain. And the shame that I carry in my life. And I just feel like for some of us, the Lord is highlighting the first one more than anything else. How we responded to pain. And what we did. And what we're doing even now. To manage, to cope, to deal with, to forget, to numb. I don't know. Just like he's talking to Peter, he's addressing the condition of our heart. And it's interesting because what Jesus does, one, and I don't, 
don't know if you saw it, but the fact that he's cooking around the fire, you know what that moment is parallel to? It's the same setting where Peter denied Jesus three times around the fire. They bring Peter back to the same place of his failure, very similar circumstance. He's reminding him, he's going back. Say, like, Peter, we gotta go back to that place where you fail. We gotta go back to that place of your greatest shame and your hurt. You have to go back to this place. And he begins to address Peter, the condition of Peter's heart and where he is. And this is why he's asking, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. And it says, Peter grieved. Peter, Peter was sad. There was something going on in his heart. And we don't know exactly what it was. I wish the Bible would have said what Peter, like what the process was in Peter's mind. You know what I'm talking about? What all that he was feeling. This is sometimes I'm like, God, just can you, ah, I wish it was there. Because sometimes as I'm living my life, it's so difficult to like, to, you know, this, to deal with this. You know, as you get older, I realize, and yeah, I'm in ministry and all these things, but just as a follower of Jesus, the hardest thing is to keep your heart soft. It's to keep your heart tender. It's to keep your heart surrendered and trusting God, no matter how many things have happened to you and mistakes you've made. It's to not grow tired. It's to not grow weary. It's to not, not grow resentful or bitter or jaded or cynical. But it's to keep our hearts at this place like a little child that is so tender before Jesus. And one of the things that the Lord was speaking to me, and I feel like it's something that, that needs to be addressed a lot of times in church, because in church, I don't know about church, and just not to bash the church, but for me, I like growing up in the church and being through a lot of different things, I realize sometimes we're so scared to deal with emotional things. And I believe one of the things that God is doing, and I see it, He's raising up a new generation of people. Or people that even have walked, you, you've been walking with Jesus, but He's giving you a fresh fire, fresh breath. And he's calling us to address the things of our heart. That yes, we can preach from here. We can do a lot of lessons and teach. But at the end of the day, right? It's like, how does it really affect this? Right? It's like, you know, someone said this at a retreat, youth retreat, way back that I went to. It's like, hey, it's not about how high you jump at the retreat. It's about how straight you walk when you come down. It's about how you walk with Jesus when you get back home. It's like, it's the Monday to fr- the Saturday. And when no one else is around, and when, when something something happens to you, what's going on? And I, and I realize one of the things that's happening, and, I, and I'm borrowing some of this from, from a, a teaching that I heard um, from a worship leader. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Krista Black. Anybody know her? She's part of the song that wrote, uh, In death, in life, I'm confident, I'm covered by the power. You guys know that song? All right, sorry. That's why I'm not leading worship. <laughs> right now. Um, so... Um, she was sharing this that you know a lot of times there's three parts of us right there's, there's, a, uh, there, there's this emotional part there's a functional part and there's this guardian okay and so what happens is we go through something you've been through something maybe when you were younger you were abused you were raped you were taken advantage of maybe something happened to you maybe you did something you were broken okay you were rejected over and over again Right? Something happened to you that traumatized you, that hurt you, and we felt all of that. Yeah, here, you know what I'm talking about? Even now, you feel some of this. Okay? And then, but then here's the reality. It's like, but hey, I still have to live my life. I have to function. I can't let this spill into this. And we do this more as we get older. Right? Someone says something, and like, <laughs> I'll be driving on the road, and, and you know, someone cuts me off, and I'm like, mm, you know, I'm, I'm the anal driver, right? You know, hi Bean. Hello, I'm here. 
And so, like, you know, and it just starts slowing down. I don't know why. I'm like, hey, you cut me off. So I, you know, come around. And he look over and bam! He gives me a high with the finger, right? And I look over and I'm like, whew. Jesus, what do I do right now? <laughs> really depends. I like to say every time I say, God bless you in Jesus' name. And I just keep going on my way. A lot of times I don't do that. Sometimes, most of the time, I'm in between. I don't give them the salute back, but in my heart, I did. <laughs> Lucky you're in that car right now. <laughs> like, mm. I'm in this place, but I'm like, hey, I still got to go there. And sometimes I get caught up for like five minutes, ten minutes even. I'm driving. I'm like, right? And in the background, Lord, I come to you. Worship music is playing. Let my heart be changed. My wife knows this. Like sometimes I curse up a storm, and after all of a sudden I say, "Lord Jesus, please forgive me. Have mercy." Oh my gosh, what am I saying? I renounce every curse in the name of Jesus. I bless that man, even though I don't want to bless him. I bless him in obedience in Jesus' name, and I'm going to keep driving, right? And there's this place, and, and then, but I didn't, I didn't really address the issue. You know, a lot of times that happens, and then actually what it's pointing to, there's something even deeper that's happening that just triggered it. You, you guys know what I'm talking about? And the reason why sometimes that person annoys you or upsets you so much is because it reminds you of the other person who did something to you before. And you're like, oh yeah, but then we keep it down low and we keep it like locked up and what we do, and this is not the way God designed this to be. Because, in, in, can I say this? The, the inheritance of the Lord for you is to live from a whole heart. To live from a whole heart. To not be divided in your emotional self and your functional self. Okay? But because we go through these things and we don't have the tools, sometimes it's because it happened to us. We're so young. We're not mature enough. We don't even understand. There's a trauma that happens. You know, you know not all of our uh, parents are counselors or can walk us through and help us, all these things, and pray for us. It just happens. Sometimes our parents don't even know what happened to us. It happens because we're somewhere else and someone does something to us. All this stuff happens and we just keep it t- tucked, hidden away. And the guardian, which God has, he's, he's told us even to guard your heart for it is a wellspring of life, right? But the thing is, we take that and we turn it and we guard ourselves, the emotions and the pain from the rest of ourselves so that we can function. And what happens is as you get older, okay, you will see it come out more and more. Is anybody married here or older and you've just been through enough life? Like you, like you live with a lot of roommates and you're just like, yeah. Yeah, like you understand when I said Peter realized he's not who he thought he was. You're like, mm-hmm, that's me. Right? That's me. You realize, like, I did, you know, hey, I thought I was, you know, I'm a pastor and stuff, and then I got married, and then in about four years, I'm still a rookie when it comes to marriage, but man, there's some ugly stuff that comes out. I said, what to my wife? Wow, why did I say that? Why did I act like a jerk? Where is that coming from? But then I come here and I go, hey, I'm Pastor Sam. I do the thing here and yeah, 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 yeah. I go home and something. As you get older, it's going to come out more and more. And the only way that we can be more whole is in this place is to, when Jesus begins to address the pain, you must let him address the pain. You must let him in. You must invite him in. You must run to him. And sometimes it happens in a moment. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Like it, it happens like through the years, right? In stages. But you must. You must. You must. And, and, and there's, there's this trend that's happening. I think it's awesome. There's a rise in counseling. 
There's a rise in even attention to mental, mental health. Because people are realizing this now. And realizing the culture. And even in the church, I pray that there will be many counselors who arise who follow Jesus and don't just give a solution, a man-made solution, but the solution of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what that looks like flesh out and how Jesus brings healing. And how the community and the body of believers, God uses and works through the community to bring healing to, to each, each of us. And it's like what the guardian is supposed to do is when things are trying to come and penetrate our lives that are contrary to what the scripture says and, and who Jesus is, that it will guard from that. It's not there to guard necessarily the pain you know, from the functional self, the emotional self from the functional self. But it's when the pain comes, it's, it's how do we respond to it? What do we do with it? And so for many of us, we're in this place right now, man. Some of us, we've been in this place for a while. Jesus is coming and he's addressing that place. And he's, he's, he's really getting to it. He's like, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you love me? And it's interesting because if you, if you, if you really track back, and here's one of the things that I'm really realizing So often it's one of the places, the greatest breakthroughs that I've ever had in my life. Whether it's, man, just understanding forgiveness on a real level and just being able to walk in that. The enemy's going to come and attack that again. He's going to come and attack it again. He doesn't want you to have that victory there and continue to walk in that. He's going to attack it again. You believe in healing. You pray for healing. You're praying, praying, no healing, no healing. And suddenly healing came, like little physical healing. You had this breakthrough. You're like, wow. Like, I never, I believe that Jesus could heal physically. But I mean, I, there's so much crazy stuff. Like, I believe it now. When I walk in, you're praying for it. And then something happens. I don't know. I'm just hypothetically. Cancer comes. You pray for someone in your family. They don't get healed. They pass away. And you're like, I don't want to pray for healing anymore. I don't believe in that stuff. How many guys are tracking with me? Sorry, I know I'm kind of going a little bit. And, and there's this place where he, he, he's reminding you and bringing you back to the original place. And the thing is, the fantastic, amazing thing about Jesus addressing Peter and saying, Peter, do you love me? Here's the thing. Peter does love Jesus. He does. He really does. And that's why he has the confidence even to say, Lord, you know. Now, is his love mature? Fully? No. Is it like the super strong love that Peter wants it to be? No. But he realizes that now. But he knows that there's love there. Come on. And, and in that moment, God is even calling and pulling that love out of him. You love me, Peter? And some of us are in this last place. I'm going to land it here and we'll go into prayer. But Jesus reinstates him and he says, he tells him what's to come. He's like, hey, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself. You went where you wanted to go. But now that you're younger, someone else is going to, when you're older, someone else is going to dress you. You're going to leave, go where you don't want to go. And obviously he was prophesying about how he would die. But I can't help as I, as, as I read that, you see, I see this parallel where it's like, you live this life when you're, younger previous life and you do what you want to do but as you surrender and you follow Jesus you realize I'm not leading myself someone else is leading me the Holy Spirit's leading me 
Jesus is leading me. And I will die to myself. I will be led by him. And this is what is going to bring honor and glory to Jesus. And some of us are in this place and God's reminding us, he's lifted us from the shame, he's healing us. He says, hey, come follow me. Come follow me. Come to that place where you're like, you didn't want to go before, but I'm leading you now. And this is the way that you're going to die. Not necessarily literally, but maybe for some of us, maybe. Maybe God will call some of us to be martyrs. But at the very least, as his followers, that we will die to ourselves. And he's reminding us, man, this is who you are. Let's go back to that place so that we can look forward again and move forward. And tonight, I want to invite you to really consider and take inventory of your life and where you are. And as you look at the story of Jesus and Peter here, how is it speaking to you? Do you identify with any of these or anywhere in between? And how is the Lord ministering to you? How is he challenging you? So right now, we're just going to take a brief moment. And just in the quiet of your heart, you can begin to reflect. You can meditate. You can respond in prayer. We'll do that for about a good couple minutes. And then after that, the praise scene will come up and we'll pray for more things.
matter what the Lord continue. But I want to pray for the different, you know, places that we are in our lives. The first, um, you know, area that I want to pray for is this place that if you, as a, we were reading scripture, if you felt like a disciple, you're like, yeah, I want to, my, back to my old way of life. And it might not be like the entirety of your life, but like there is a certain area of your life the Lord is highlighting right now. Whatever's happened, your failure or someone else did something. Disappointment, shame, pain. You just went back to your old way of life. Come on, if that's you, I want to invite you to be brave and bold because I really do believe there is a, a healing that the Lord is releasing even right now. An encouragement and hope. I, I sense like almost like a almost like a wet blanket kind of and it's, suffocating, it's been suffocating you but you just seem to not be able to kind of get beyond this this place in your life and you, you keep wandering back here and if that's you I want to invite you to stand right where you are I want to invite you to stand there's no shame here the reason why I invite you to stand one is for you because to put an action to something to the conviction that if you feel like, yeah, that is me, Lord. I want to be honest before you. This is me. But also because we want to pray for you. As a body, as a community of faith, we want to pray for you. And so if that's you, if there's any area of your life, or maybe it could be the entirety of your life, you're just like, man, Lord, I live far from you. <laughs> you could be a leader. You've been doing all the right things on the outside, but in your heart, you've been far from the Lord. Is there anybody here like that this, this evening? stand. Is there anybody else? Yeah. Jesus. And I just invite you as you stand, if you could open up your hands like you're receiving a gift with your palms up. And the purpose of this is, is a sign of surrender. It's a sign of Jesus. Here I am. I desire for you to meet me. It represents openness of heart. Tell the Lord right now. Just say, Lord, just confess it. I've been far from you. I've gone back to my old way of life. listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.